Sounds great. We have a, a, a question from uh, Phil Walton here. Dave, what industries do you primarily focus on to sell your product services and solutions to? Yeah, thank you for the question. So it's primarily the enterprise tech business. So we don't do you know, a lot of Apple gadgets. That's really not our thing. But infrastructure and, and cloud. So think of, think of the, the infrastructure and, and, and cloud stack, if you will. So storage, compute, middleware, database, uh, and, then, and then above that, uh, applications, different vertical applications, uh, we've definitely got into blockchain and crypto and metaverse, and I know it's kind of out of favor now, but but the fundamental technology we're still you know big believers in, uh, and increasingly fintech and health tech because everything's tech, everything's enterprise tech. So those tech-oriented industries have sort of gravitated toward what we do, uh, to which is essentially help people get the word out about their stories. Oh, awesome. And uh, back maybe on the, the cloud piece. So uh, I saw AWS is working with Goldman to do a financial services data cloud. And then Goldman's leveraging that. And then they're actually offering it to other financial institutions. Right. So it's not only yeah. just the baseline of doing the cloud for yourself, but it's now kind of building upon that. And this is a huge trend that we see. And it's how we kind of coined the term super cloud. Um, it, it's basically the idea that you have you have uh, tools and software that you've developed, it's IP, and it's particularly acute in the financial services industry, Goldman, NASDAQ, Capital One, uh, Western Union is another example, where they have these tools and processes that are, that are best in class, and they're doing what AWS did. They're bringing those tools to the cloud. Maybe they're doing a hybrid connection you know, into the like, AWS cloud or Azure or GCP or multiple clouds, and they're kind of pointing that at the world and saying, we're going to now make this available. We're going to monetize that capability, that data and that stuff. So everybody's becoming a software company, as Andreessen says, and everybody is using the cloud to expose that, that software and that monetization strategy to their customers. Yeah. And they saw um, a bunch of different things you've written about, but uh, you know, Databricks, the CEO was talking about, you know, way back when, when they started, they could basically just use a credit card and all of a sudden they're, they're on the map with AWS. And then now they're leveraging that to build kind of ISVs on top of their platform with your kind of super cloud concept, right? Yeah, Ali Goetze, he's an amazing CEO. And you're right, they started Databricks basically as a way to kind of make Hadoop better. They were, they're the ones behind Spark, you know, out of Berkeley. And exactly right, Randy. I mean, you know, we asked Ali Goetze, you, you know, do you see yourself as an ISV? And he's like, well, no, not really. We're a platform. And we have yeah. ISVs writing applications on top of our platform. You know, whereas it's interesting. I mean, you talk to AWS, they're like, no, no, they're ISVs. And so <laughs> what we see, that's why we, you know, this super cloud concept is it's a cloud above the clouds where you're using cloud and software to actually present services to your customers and monetize them. Oh, that's amazing. And then uh, next kind of title, any, anything else on the data in the cloud before we move on? Do you want to mention? I just, I, 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 the last thing I'd say is I think you're going to see a major change in how data is used. It's going to be in the hands of the domain experts, the business people. It's going to be increasingly, it's already decentralized physically, but increasingly organizations are going to be able to use data in new ways. And I think the second thing, Randy, is with AI and machine learning, whereas today you think about a CRM system, 
you're entering data into an opportunity, your you know, leads or whatever it is, and a lot of that is human. And some of that's automated, of course, but you're, you're entering information into a form, you're, you're, you're automating a process. Increasingly, you're gonna see data apps where the machine is going into the transactions and maybe the e-commerce system, the ERP system, evaluating the, and the machine is gonna develop programs and plans without humans and present that to humans. And that's going to be a, 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 a big change. It's like Uber for people, places, and things. I think you're going to see that certainly this decade. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. The, uh, you know, talk about the, I'll say maybe the consumer side of it, the whole chat, chat GBT or, you know, whatever it's called, you know, being able to have them write anything and you know, hear about the college kids, you know, for paper, it's like, holy moly, it's just crazy. Chat GPT writes better than I do, and I, and I write a lot. It's like a little shrinkage when you go into Chat GPT. <laughs> That's crazy. And then back on, uh, you know, kind of AI. It seems like it's been kind of, um, you know, kind of growing. So would you say now, kind of AI is kind of, uh, you know, mainstream? And thinking of, um, we mentioned Chris Rowley before, right? So Data Robot, one of the you know enterprise leaders there uh, for AI. Yeah, I think you know, data and AI to me go together. And successful data companies, data-driven companies, we hear that buzzword all the time, but they're able to put data at the core of their business as opposed to kind of data in silos around, or, you know, in the periphery. And I think that generally speaking, companies like DataRobot are going to provide tooling to organizations so that they can build AI and data and make it at the center of their business, not necessarily physically, but be able to make data-driven decisions and have machines act on their behalf using data. Yeah, but but ultimately you have to, it's not just because it's cool, right? But there's got to be an ROI, there's got to be value there for leveraging AI kind of for these enterprise companies. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point that you're in intimating is that a lot of AI has been experimentation, kicking the tires and getting the technology to work, kind of like I was saying before, you know, around data. And, and the real opportunity is you got to focus on areas that are going to give you more immediate returns. And, and it's been elusive. I, I, will, I will tell you, just looking at the data, most organizations aren't really thrilled with their AI initiatives. That said, AI is just going to be embedded. You're not, not most organizations aren't going to build out AI. They're going to buy applications that have AI embedded into them. You, Salesforce Einstein is a, is a simple example, but I think you're going to see a lot more of that. Yeah, I do uh, some work with uh, uh, Chris and uh, Data Robot, and uh, just for what it's worth, Tucker, maybe you can pull up uh, the Data Robot website, and um, they've got some amazing, you know, just industry use cases. I mean, you could basically pull the industry, and then it has, you know, I always say if I'm a CFO, kind of what's the value? And they've got you know, a lot of great content there just for, for what it's worth. So maybe tied into that is kind of value and ROI is kind of, you know, IT spending trends. So um, it seems like, you know, if I'm a CIO, I'm probably in a, a holding pattern, but now there's this whole data monetization concept, you know, tell us a little bit more about that. So it's just some of the numbers at the macro level. We, we exited 2022, uh, sorry, 2021, with uh, CIOs expecting 8% growth in 2022 for their spending. And that was before Ukraine and before Ted uh, Fed tightening. By the summer, that number was down to 6.5%. In December, it was 4%. And now in Q1, they're looking at 3%. So you know, nobody really knows. I call it the seesaw economy. You know, Jamie Dimon's out today. 
is saying that the hurricane that he predicted, maybe not so bad. NASDAQ's acting better. And I think you just you have this expectation during the pandemic was like, wow, tech, the run is never going to end. Semiconductor shortages, supply chain. And then all of a sudden there's this big pullback. And so I think you're going to see this little the seesaw action. But having said that, while people are sort of tapping the brakes, if it generates revenue, they're ready to go. So they're putting on hold projects that are maybe a modernization project of some back end, you know, mainframe hairball. Uh, that, but they they are ready to lean into big time anything that drives ROI and business value. Yeah. And what, what do you think is that timing on the ROI window? I mean, they, they definitely want to see stuff that's inside of a year for sure. If there's yep. inside of six months, it has a much higher probability of, of getting funded. Yeah, that's great. So that maybe t- ties in well with uh, decision link. So they're a kind of value selling platform. And, you know, typically everybody has kind of spreadsheets and you got to do this back and forth with customers to figure it out. And, you know, the, the kind of utopia or home run in sales, which uh, decision link can help with as a v- value selling platform is working with customers to then come up with kind of what is that value. So ultimately, uh, I always say if you're in the elevator with a CFO and you have 30, 30 seconds or 20 seconds, what are you going to say? It's not a bunch of techno you know, mumbo jumbo as you know, Jeff Goldberg, you know, rest in peace, t- taught us all years ago. But it's kind of what are you going to do to help generate revenue, save money, get a competitive advantage in the case of compliance, stay out of jail. Right. And those are usually much more objective dollar centric things. It's not not speed and feeds. So I assume you're in violent agreement. Hundred percent. I mean, it's all about the value. What is it going to do for me? what's in it for me, as they say? And I think a lot yeah. of times, you, you know, salespeople just they, they, they go down into the oh, this widget does this, that, or the other thing, and it's like, okay, who cares? What does it do for my business? How does it increase my my revenue? Drive profits? Improve my productivity? You know, show me. Yeah, show me, baby. Um, all right, so we have from Phil, who I think Phil's got his his fingers in a bunch, but uh, some uh, fintech things as well. But anyway, he asks. Uh, uh, data analytics and AI are at the forefront forefront of every company's strategies and the ability to use the data and analyze it with low code, no code solutions is critical. How are you working with companies to enhance these solutions? So do you actually work with the companies to enhance or you, you kind of more just, I'll say, reporting the news? So our value proposition is to really try to explain to people, you know, what a, what a technology is, what it can do for your business, how to apply it to your business and try to inspire them to action. And the way we do that is we take the smartest people within our community and our client base, bring them into the cube and have conversations with them and, you know, challenge them to explain. This is the way we're talking about. What is the value to the business and how do I get started? What are the roadblocks? What are the gotchas? You know, what's the best advice that you have um, and, and what's the right fit for that technology? And so that's what we do. And I think we do it you know, better than anybody else out there. Great. Great question, Phil. Thanks. And uh, just a reminder for those uh, watching or listening along, feel free to uh, ask any other questions or uh, post any comments. Uh, so another piece you had written about was uh, Palo Alto Networks earning their reputation as a leader in security. Certainly, it's a crazy, crazy crowded space and startups popping up everywhere. Um, so w- w- why do you think uh, Palo Alto's emerged so well? Well, you know, their founder, Nir Zook, is, uh, is he's this Israeli 
uh, startup, you know, found a startup nation guy came to the United States and he just looked at the security business, obviously an expert in that, and said, this thing is so broken. And so he started with 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 firewalls, but just the firewall function was in the hardware. Everything else he did in software, he put it in the cloud. At the time, it was their cloud, and he took a software SaaS approach to the business. And there are others that are doing this, but Palo Alto is, I think, really opinionated and one of the leaders. And so what they've done is, rather than have a bunch of bespoke tools to try to solve the problem du jour, has come out with an architecture that does a variety of different things. You know, not only the firewall, but other firewall functions that could do you know, whether it's endpoint or cloud security or network security and do so in a single architecture. They've made a lot of acquisitions and they just essentially have become the gold standard in, in cybersecurity. Now, there are other really great companies, CrowdStrike, uh, Okta, CyberArk is a you know, local company. And so, but, but there are just too many companies in cyber. And I think Palo Alto has a really excellent high value strategy to mm-hmm. consolidate those tools, you know, BJ, Jenkins is there now as president. He's an yep. amazing go-to-market exec. And they just, their story yep. is very strong and their technology is, is top shelf. Yeah. Yeah. Great team. Uh, Rick Condon running sales. Jazz Suit has uh, enterprise sales. Uh, yep. Carl Sutherland channel. Really, really strong team, which is uh, obviously you need the technology. Plus, you need a great team uh, go-to-market there for sure. So um, Dave, Dave Donatelli must be on the road. So he says, uh, please ask Dave uh, for his take on the cloud wars between AWS, Microsoft, Google, and Oracle, strengths and weaknesses of each. And I'll just emphasize briefly. I love that question. AWS has got the best infrastructure cloud. Microsoft's coming at it from their, their uh, strength in productivity software uh, and applications. Google has to get its go-to-market act together. It doesn't, it doesn't know how to sell, in my opinion, properly, and it's yeah. losing too much money. Uh, and I'd say Oracle has the best cloud for mission-critical data. And I think Ellison's strategy, and in part Donatelli's strategy, around the Oracle cloud, I think is, is, is brilliant. Everybody loves to crap on Oracle, but if, if you want to run mission-critical apps in the cloud, or the Oracle cloud is the best place to do it. And I think they, they, they had the right strategy. He didn't mention IBM because IBM is kind of, you know, not really a factor in, in the cloud other than, you know, for selective cases. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Unreal. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It's interesting. So the Google, right. We're, you know, I'm active in the you know, enterprise go to market sales space, but you would think they'd be able to, you know, for lack of better words, get, get out of their own way. Cause there's so much, talent and proven processes out there in terms of what you do and how you do it. And it has, obviously it's a great, great name. So you can get an app out with anybody. Google has awesome tech. I, I got to believe Thomas Kirian is really frustrated that he coming from a, a go-to-market, you, you know, maven like Oracle comes to Google where it's like they reject the sales organ. <laughs> you know, they just, yeah. it's an engineering culture and it's very challenging. I was talking to a practitioner the other day, Randy, who said, you know, Snowflake and AWS, they work together. I can use Snow, uh, AWS's you know, SageMaker AI tools inside of Snowflake, but if I want to use Google's AI tools, which are the best with Snowflake, I can't. I have to use Google BigQuery. So even partnerships like that, they still got to figure out. And yeah, I think they will, but, but, but I think you know, losing $3 billion a year, whatever they're losing is, is not ideal. 